chairs. We added two more chairs this week, so let's thank God for that. Amen. We're well on our way to 300 as our goal this fall. Thank you as the Lord speaks to you. Uh, all giving matters, and we thank you for your generosity. It's, I'm amazed of how people have just been generous and uh, uh, it, it, as we move forward, it's exciting to see what's happening with the building. Amen. Well, let's just take a moment and pray and ask for God's blessing over this time. Father, I humble myself before you. I thank you for your word going forth. I just speak a blessing over the people of God here today. Uh, and Lord, I thank you for your anointing and grace to declare your truth and your word to your people here today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, are we live, Facebook? Are we live? I think we are. So we want to welcome our Facebook group. Let's give them a hand. All of you out in Facebook land there and online, we thank you. God bless you. Thank you for being with us this morning. Um, in the second week in the series that we started last week on, we call it Hot Topics, and uh, I've titled this Conversion and Salvation. Uh, some of the some of the questions that have come in, and let me just say this: volumes have been written about uh, these topics, and so I'm not going to bore you to death here this morning. Just going to hit the high points and some of the things uh, uh, what we believe about that. <clears throat> and my text is John chapter three, verse three, John three three, very familiar passage. Jesus answered, talking to Nicodemus, who is a very religious devout leader at that time who was brilliant and, and knew the Torah, knew uh, the Pentateuch, the Old uh, Testament, the first five books, knew it by heart, is a brilliant man. And Jesus answered him and says, to, uh, he said, I, uh, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, unless a person is born again. And Nicodemus didn't know what he was talking about. What, what are you talking about? How do I go back into my mother's womb and be born again? And actually, it almost seems like it's insulting. Jesus goes, you're a leader and you don't know this, which tells me you can be religious and not get it. Can I get an amen? <laughs> you can know all the religious jargon, you can, but not really know the Lord. <clears throat> Are you awake this morning? Hopefully I'll wake you all up. And he said, born again. But I like how, how the Amplified says, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, sanctified. He cannot ever see the kingdom of God. And we'll talk about that. Last week, we talked about very briefly here about models of truth and how we're basing every, everything that we're going to uh, be talking about in these next few weeks on God's word, that God's word is the absolute truth, absolute truth, how we can know right from wrong. And we talked about the two models of truth, that truth that's defined by God, which is for everyone. It is objective. It is absolute. No matter what country, what nation, what people you go to, God's truth applies to every human being on this planet. And then there's truth defined by the individual, which be you or I. There's opinions we have, and those are subjective and, uh, and, and situational. Uh, but we said this, and just as a definition, I'll pull this back up again. Absolute truth, God's truth is that which is true for all people, for all times, for all places. Absolute truth is truth that is objective, means it's outside of you and I's mind. It is universal and is constant. And there are there is a truth that exists. The world doesn't like to hear this today, especially in this season of relativism. And, you know, that's good for you. How do you know right and wrong, you know? Uh, no, there is an absolute truth that exists that determines what's right and what's wrong. Can you say amen? 
And so, so some of the questions here, and we'll just kind of delve, we'll move forward, we'll see how far we get this morning about salvation. And one question, why isn't salvation or conversion talked about in certain denominational churches? Some people seem to have a, a deeper understanding of it and place a higher value on it. As I thought about that, and I just thought from an actual personal situation that somebody communicated to me many, many years ago, uh, is that some ministers are not believers. I know that seems ridiculous to say, but the truth of the matter is, is some take it as a profession. It's a job. It's just something I go to school for and learn, and it's just something that I do, and this is a great profession, and I think I'd be good at that, not knowing that it takes spiritual transformation to be a minister of God. You gotta have a call, amen? You gotta have a call of God. You have, a, you have to be anointed by God. And, and it is just a job out there. It's a calling. Thank you for that one amen. <laughs> so, so now let me just preface. That's not all ministers. You know, there, there's few, but, but most denominational ministers, I believe, love God and doing the best that they can. They care about their people and, and, and they wanna preach and teach the word of God. So please know that I understand and I recognize that. But let me just say this. Words matter. Did you hear that? Words matter. What you listen to day in and day out, week in and week out, matter. If you listen, I don't know why I need to hit on this, but if you listen to hedonistic music, when you wake up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, that's going to be playing in your ear. Come on, somebody. Because that, yeah, some of you are like, oh, huh. why is that happening? What you feed on, the words you listen to matter. And where you attend church matters. I'm just saying that. I mean, and so that's a weight. That's a huge weight on me, I feel. And I do that with humility and I'm circumspect because uh, there's a weight on that and what's said and what's not said. And I'm gonna be held accountable for that. As a pastor, I will. It's a higher accountability. And so that pr produces fear and trepidation and humility in my heart. But, but it, it matters. It matters. If you have a steady diet that tells you God doesn't work miracles today, miracles have ceased, uh, you know, this whole baptism in the Holy Spirit thing, I don't get it, so I'm just going to relegate it to a chapter in my life I don't understand. It's confusing things, or that's of the devil, or, or you know, God's not moving today, and blah, 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 and just kind of add in all the arguments you may have heard. You're going to believe those things. You're going to believe those things, because that's what's taught. That's the thought. So it matters. It matters where you go to church. It matters where you attend. It matters what you feed on. Amen? So salvation and conversion. And this is just through some of my studies and digging into some commentaries and some stuff. The most common ritual in denominational churches, uh, salvation and conversion happens through, through baptism. And we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning here. Uh, but some of them have a period of personal instruction, maybe a, a few days or weeks and months or, or some even uh, up to a year. I remember uh, I, my wife and I, we went through a membership, uh, different than this baptism, but went through a membership training when we were in a church in Texas, and it was 16 weeks long. <laughs> and so for 16 weeks, some of the eyes just, you know, what? Uh, we went through this training. We learned a lot, and it was good. And by the time we, you know, kind of finished that and became members, and they brought us on stage, shook our hands, we said, we're moving to Minnesota. <laughs> So we were on our way to Minnesota, but we became members of that church in Texas, and we went through that. We leaned in as a young couple. We said, yes, we want to be a part of this. We want to learn it. That was all good things. That was positive. That's very positive. So to learn about the Word of God. Amen? So one of the questions, though, is, is what a baptism save you? It's a term called baptismal regeneration. 
And one of the texts, a few of them, but they bring out is in 1 Peter 3, 19 and 20, uh, who the scripture says, who were once disobedient when the patience of God was waiting in the days of Noah during the building of the ark in which a few, that is eight persons, Noah's family, were brought safely through the water. Safely through the water. Um, this starts off, who were once disobedient. Actually, it talks about how it goes on about Jesus descended into hell and preached to them. And you can, they can actually calculate that time period where it's spoken uh, from the flood from beginning is around just over 1,650 years uh, after creation, the flood came. So they can calculate that. But, 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 but in verse 19, Peter reminds the readers that, that in the spirit, Jesus had gone to preach to these people, of, these people excuse me, of Noah's day that have all perished. And, he, and actually says, those spirits that are now in prison awaiting judgment. Actually, in prison is Sheol. It's hell. It's a place of confinement, a watch guard. It's where they were put. Uh, uh, this is before the cross. This is during, you know, after the flood. And we know there was tremendous evil on earth at that time. It was uh, tremendously evil what was taking place. People's hearts were hard. Uh, and only eight people were saved. And this is encouraging when I share this because, and I think about it, it says, Noah was a preacher of righteousness, Second Peter talks about. And he preached righteousness for 120 years. And only eight people got saved. So it's encouraging to me on a Sunday afternoon after I'm done preaching. Amen. <laughs> eight people. <laughs> he was a preacher of righteousness. So amen. Moving right along. I'm encouraged by that. Uh, now, so Peter, he sees this comparison. I want you to get this. Between waters of the flood and the waters of baptism. And so he, he pens it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to get verse uh, 21. Uh, watch this. This is kind of the key verse, and it says, in corresponding to that, the water of the flood, baptism now saves you. There it is right there. Baptism now saves you. And there are some denominations that love this verse because it seems at first to support the view of this baptismal regeneration. And in other words, that actually that, 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 that baptism does something to the individual, to the candidate. It says by bringing about a new birth, through this baptism. And so, for example, and I don't mean to be critical in this and not judgmental, just by way of observation, though, uh, one of the baptismal rituals for infants say this, which we don't believe in infant baptism, but we believe in baby dedications as Jesus laid hands upon and allowed the kids to come to him. And so, so we practice that here. But one of the examples, one of the rituals goes like this. See you now, dearly beloved brethren, that this child is regenerate and grafted into the body of Christ's church, let us give thanks. Now, the problem with that is that Peter, addressing this, as he writes this, uh, he's aware of his words that are spoken, and he knows that uh, if he doesn't clarify, uh, there could be dangerous misuse. Well, that is why as soon as they are out of his mouth, as it were, he qualifies them, lest we take them in the wrong way. So here we have verse 21. It does say baptism does now save us. And it sounds like that water has some kind of a saving effect in and of itself apart from faith, apart from faith. You know, those that have, taste, that, that, that have taken this and embraced this and they're taught this and maybe very zealous. I've heard of missionaries There's, you can read about that have gone to certain countries in Southeast Asia and 
that just, just baptizing the people saves them. And, and uh, I've heard of one missionary that he would take, uh, he went to India and he would go to the marketplace every day faithfully and the thousands and tens and thousands of people walking through. And so he would build up a little box or whatever. And any time they came by him, he would throw water on them. He would bless them, that they're all saved now. How many know there's more to salvation than you getting wet one day walking in a market? Come on, somebody, amen? And so, but he believed that. And you know what? I'm not even <clears throat> criticizing him in his passion and zeal and what he believed in. It may be misguided, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, I think God will look on that and, and know he, he had some passion and zeal. How many with me say amen? <clears throat> but but that, that, that does just throwing water on you save you? Your soul is eternally secure. I don't believe what the, that's what this scripture is talking about. So Peter knows that's what it sounds like. So he immediately adds this to it. He says, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience. Hmm. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Right there, he qualifies that. Or maybe a translation might have this, the pledge of a good conscience towards God. So the point seems to be this, what I gather um, with Peter, he says this, he says, I don't mean that the water immersing the body and cleansing the flesh is of any saving effect. What I mean is that insofar as baptism is, baptism is an appeal to God for a good conscience or a pledge of a good conscience towards God, it's saved. How many know the Bible says in Romans 10, 13, I believe it is Romans 10, 13, yeah, says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen? Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord. And actually it means everyone who appeals to the Lord will be saved. So what are we talking about? We're talking about faith. Paul does not mean that faith alone fails to save. That's not what he's saying. He means that faith calls on God. That's what faith does. Faith in that moment calls upon the Lord. You hear the word of truth. Faith, the seed, is in your heart, and you call and you act on that. How many with me say amen? You know, we think about water baptism, and we think of the thief on the cross. Remember the story about that? Here's a guy that's nailed soon to die. The other guy's cursing Jesus. The other guy says, remember me. Remember me when you get into your place in, in, in heaven. Remember me. The Lord says, I will remember you. You will be with me in paradise. It doesn't say heaven because heaven wasn't open at the time, but when Jesus went down, he rescued those. Abraham's bosom, the righteous, and they came into heaven. He was the promised one. But the thief believed that Jesus was the promised Messiah. He held on to that promise, and God saved him. But was he water baptized? No. Is he in heaven? Yep. You and I are going to meet the thief on the cross. Did you know that? His main name may be, you know, Antonio or Garajo or something. We don't know his name, but we will see him someday. He will be in heaven. Amen. He's a believer. But was he water baptized? No. Why? He had faith in Christ, and that's what saved him. How many with me say amen? And so Peter is saying, basically, uh, let me just pull this up for you, just a, a little quote here. Uh, baptism is the God-ordained symbolic expression of that call of God. It is an appeal to God. It's, it's, it's very important. It's vital. We're commanded to be water baptized, either in the form of repentance or in the form of commitment. How many know a little infant baby cannot repent? Doesn't know nothing. And listen, as a parent, you're a believer. Your child is protected. 
And the Bible, you know, there's things that they talk about, the age of accountability. We don't know when that is. It may be 12 years old. For some, it's seven years old. For some, it's 14. For some, it's 19. For some, it's in their 20s. They're not awakened, but there's this age of accountability where they understand and know, I need to make a commitment to Christ, and they hear the message of the cross. But I believe God's grace covers, covers all children, infants. You know, so they don't die and go to hell. Okay, they're covered. God covers that, but he provides an opportunity uh, for everyone to come to that place to, 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 in a, to receive Christ. So an appeal to God. I like how the Amplified translates this verse. I think it's, it's pretty thorough. Corresponding to that rescue through the flood. Baptism, which is an expression, watch this, of a believer's new life in Christ. So you're not baptized then you get saved. No, you receive Christ. You hear the message. You're born again. That saves you. And not by removing dirt from the body, but by, in a, there it is, an appeal to God for a good, clear conscience, demonstrating what you believe to be yours through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Very clear right there. It's talking about you understand, you comprehend. Jesus rose from the dead. I received that. So in obedience to that, I'm going to be water baptized. How many see that say amen? So basically, you know, just to summarize water baptism, water baptism is a symbolic expression of the heart's appeal to God. Baptism is a calling on God, a calling on God. I don't know for some reason we got stuck up here with this PowerPoint. Maybe you can help me. A calling on God. It's a way of saying to God with your whole body, I trust you to take me into Christ like Noah was taken to the ark and to make Jesus the substitute for my sins. Bring me through these waters of death and judgment into new and everlasting life through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, my Lord. It is a profession and it's a response to God. It is appeal to God. It is a calling upon God because of the saving faith, the commitment that you've made. This is what God is calling all of us to do for believers to be water baptized. You know, I said in the earlier service, um, water baptism in America sometimes is relegated to, oh, well, maybe if it works or whatever. But you know, being water baptized in many of the nations we travel to is a life and death thing. Did you know that? Life and death. For you to be water baptized in an Islamic nation, you know, parents, they've, they've killed their children. They've killed them. It's like you've changed from one religion to the next. Water baptism is very a powerful statement. It's a public statement. Uh, I, I know of a, uh, an individual who's actually a minister now, comes from a, a, an Islamic background, and uh, he, he was actually from Turkey, and father was very well to do, and, and he became a believer, and he was water baptized, that father actually paid for a funeral for him. Son's still alive. He's not dead. Had a funeral, went to, the, went to the place, had a monument. My son's dead, and walked away from him, just being water baptized. So there's significance. There's tremendous significance, and we are commanded to be water baptized. So yes, we recognize and know that God saves us through the work of Christ. Can you say Amen. But in that you call upon the name of the Lord, being obedient. How many know that faith is an action? It's a decision. You decide. Faith is not passive. It's not passive. And so when people talk about why are, why are you passionate about your faith, Pastor Mike? Why? Because faith is action. I think of all the time, it's before me, of what Christ did for me. Well, were you a murderer? Are you out? No. But if you had anger in your heart, you, how many know the Bible says you're a murderer? Come on. 
You know, if you thought a thought, you shouldn't have thought. I might be guilty of all. I was guilty of all. Well, did you do all those things? Were you drunk and brawling crazy? No. You know, were you? No. But you know what? Christ saved me. I repented of my sins, came into my life. I'm a debtor. I owe. That's where the passion comes from. To be able to say, I received Christ and recite some words and kind of go on with your life, something's wrong. It should be a change course in your life where there's a hunger. God is speaking to people right now. There's a zeal. There's a passion. If you don't have that, I'm not saying you have to become like some preacher or whatever. No, but there should be a hunger and a thirsting for God's word. Well, I don't understand it. It's confusing to me. Get you a Bible you can understand. Amen? <laughs> Pretty much all the Bibles say the same thing, just in a different way. Well, we don't know what to be. Don't believe those lies. Don't believe those lies. When you truly are born again, there's going to be a desire. There's going to be a zeal to worship God, to, to live for God, to serve in the house of God, to love on God's people. Am I speaking to anybody? To give. That's the natural byproduct of being born again. Amen? Converted is what the Bible, I think, is talking about there. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Uh, another important verse here. Many of you know it. Some of you can even sing the elementary songs from, from uh, uh, early Christian training. It is by grace, God's remarkable compassion and favor drawing you to Christ that you have been saved, actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life through faith. So we recognize in that this salvation is not of yourselves, not through your own effort, but it is the undeserved, gracious gift of God. Can you say amen? Now, that little part there that says, uh, not through your own effort, some would take, you have now no ability. You have nothing within you to ever to do anything, to draw yourself, to do anything, to cause God to draw near to you. Listen, my friends, 2,000 years ago, Jesus drew near to us through the cross. 2,000 years ago, he said, I am here, and I desire that all men, all women come to Christ. Did you hear that? So some would believe that this section over here, you're saved. God has called you to be the elect. No matter what you do, you can't get out of it. This place over here, you're all damned. You're all going to hell. You have no future. You have no hope. Good luck in this life. Try to squeeze out as much as you can, but you're all going to hell. Friends, that is a lie. Everyone has a plan and purpose, I believe. Does everyone choose that? No. You have a free will and a choice. I believe God's given that. Otherwise, we are all robots. You're just a robot. But God has given you free will and a choice. And you can choose your eternal destiny. I didn't think I could. Yes, you can. Why? Through faith. Hearing the preaching and teaching of the word, you can say, you know what? I, I believe. I don't understand everything, but I believe Christ died on that cross for my sin. I receive that. I receive that gift. Teach me. Show me, Lord, the things I don't know. But I give you my life. God will come into your life. You will be born again. You will have that assurance of salvation. Now, some of us in our spiritual growth are like little turtles. In a, you know, the turtle is slow. And some of us are like rabbits, you know. <clears throat> we had some rabbits this last fall breed underneath our deck. We got a lot of rabbits now. And they're all running around and jumping around. And, but the point is, you're moving forward. Amen? You're growing. And that's up to you. That's up to you. And there's times you can take off. And there's times sometimes you're just like, you're just slow as a turtle. You just, but you're growing. If there's nothing in your life that shouts a hunger and a thirsting for God, I question your salvation. Amen. Preach, Pastor Mike. Moving right along. 
<laughs> Aren't you glad you came to the second service? <laughs> I was nicer at the first service. <laughs> All right, I'm just kidding. Almost done here. Another question that came up, what makes the Lutheran church distinct from the rest of the Christian community? Uh, it's, and I would say it's, appro- it's approach towards God's grace and salvation. They're all, let me just say this, wonderful, godly Lutherans that love God, they care about the things of God, they're very passionate, some more spiritual than me, I would say, you know, and, and so, so I'm not castigating that as a whole thing, but we know about the great Reformation, Martin Luther uh, uh, posted the 95 Thesis on the door of the Castle Church in Wittenberg, Germany, they actually have the date, October 31st in 1517. But Lutherans believe that humans are saved from sins by God's grace alone. So it's his grace extending out there. It's the phrase sola grasa. Sola meaning, the Latin word means alone. Uh, uh, gra, gra, grace, gratia means grace. Or sola, fi, uh, sola fide, faith alone. Um, and, and that means they do not require the intervention of a priest as in Catholic churches do, to seek God's grace or forgiveness. And the main verse that they hung on to is Martin Luther's, the just shall live by faith. And so Martin Luther was going through all this penance, and he's on his knees, crawling up to the church, and beating his breast, and you know, asking, God, look down upon me. And, and then this verse comes to him and enlightens him, and he has this great, starts the reformation that the just shall live by faith. I agree with Martin Luther. The just shall live by faith. Can I get an amen? That's the word of God. And what a great truth that it is not by works we are saved. Or indulgences or penance. Can I get an amen? We know that works do not save us. I don't need to elaborate on that, do I? No, okay. Faith holds on. But here's the thing. Faith holds on to the works of Christ. Christ died to pay for the sins of the world legally. But does that mean everyone is saved? There's a teaching out there that says that. That's what Christ did on the cross. We all became God's children, and we're all going to enter in. We just Some of us just don't recognize that. Legally, Christ did pay for the sins of the world, but not everyone is saved. Not everyone is going to heaven. This goes back to, I believe, our free will and our choice in that situation. The just shall live by faith. So faith, how many know the Bible says faith without works is dead? Faith without works is dead. Maybe you can bring that up. Something's going on here with this acting up. Faith without works is dead. James 2.17, so too faith, as it does not have works to back it up, is by itself dead, inoperative, and ineffective. James 2.17. So we recognize and know that what? Works don't save us. They don't save us. And we hold on to what Christ did on the cross 2,000 years ago, legally, but uh, the Bible talks about that, that, you know, there, there's these things that, that there's an action. When you are born again, there's going to be a desire. There's going to be a hunger to serve. There's going to be, come on, somebody, there's going to hunger to serve and not be indifferent about the things of God. Getting born again isn't a little rabbit's foot that you get from the minister and you stick in your pocket. When you're in difficult times, you rub it. Oh, God, Jesus, help me. And now I live my life. No, when you're born again, you leave the pig pen of Satan having control over your life, dominating your life, and you enter to the realm of God. But you leave one master, Satan, but you gain a new master, the king, amen? And you serve him. So we all have a new master, king. His name's 
Jesus Christ, God Almighty. Can you say amen? So here's the thing. A good tree is going to produce good fruit. Now, taking aside, going specifically on the thing about salvation, if you don't know the Lord, you're not going to produce good fruit. You may do religious things. You may give the charitable things in the community, make you feel good, and people recognize you and all of that. That's dead works. Okay, it's dead works. But as a believer, how many know you can be a carnal Christian? <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you for that one amen. You, you can still be a believer, but you're a carnal. You're walking you're always in the flesh. These things take you over, and, and you're really you're not a good testimony to Christ. Come on, somebody. Amen? And, and, and so, so are you a believer? Yes. You're just struggling with carnality, and that's where you need to dig deep. Don't ignore those signs. I don't know why I need, I, do not ignore those signs of what the enemy is trying to, he will destroy your life eventually. Satan plays like a chess game. I'm not trying to produce fear in you, but I don't know why I need to say this. He just moves a little pawn here and there. And then he, he gets you. And you thought, I didn't think this would happen. Next thing you know, you're not married. Next thing you know, you got in a car wreck because you're drunk. Come on, somebody. Next thing you know, you know, you gambled away. You lost this. You, you, you know, you lost your house and your family. All these crazy things. He plays for keeps. And you need to hear that this morning. He's out to kill, steal, and destroy. Amen? And it's, I don't think what he, he, he makes it seem like it's no big deal. It's a big deal because your life is at stake. <clears throat> Faith with a good tree will produce good fruit. So then the statement is asked, does Jesus die for everyone? And I would say, okay, what does that mean? Yes, Jesus died for everyone in the sense that everyone who believes will be saved. So just clarify what, um, <clears throat> uh, what, what I just talked about earlier here. So faith without works, just a few minutes left here, is dead. Um, it is a natural consequence of faith that a Christian will to some extent, and there's that, that thing where we, we all can act carnally at times, uh, but as a natural consequence of faith that a Christian will live for Jesus, live for God. It is from a saving faith that works flow forth. To say that a person has to do good works to be saved is to put the cart before the horse, and we address that. But will a Christian, if they're truly born again, do good works? You just have to study history in our nation. It's founding some of the most uh, affluent colleges, not today, but back then were all started by Christians. Godly men and women, hospitals, all of them start. Why? Because they love, it's the love of God. When you think of what is Christ, what has Christianity done? It's done a lot. It's done a lot for humanity. <clears throat> to put it in more theological terms, justification comes before sanctification. That may be a deep word, but good works start with faith. They do not produce faith or salvation, but they're the result of faith and salvation. How many see that same end? Once again, the just shall live by faith. That was the verse that struck Luther he, like a lightning bolt. And uh, we know that we are saved by faith alone, but we are saved that we may live for God and do good works. Ephesians talks about that, to do that. Um, so anyhow, I think I related that point enough, but let me just quickly touch on a few more points here, and we're done this morning. Uh, the question is, that came out, is everyone called to talk to others about the gospel and salvation, or just those who have the gift of evangelism? Good question. The short answer is yes. 
just that's the short answer. Um, and the reason why people don't is the short answer is fear. Fear of man. That's all it is. People are drawn to people that are bold. It's like, how come they're bold? How could they say that? How could they go out and stand out there and preach in a corner? Or how could they just share their faith or whatever? And, and, and the enemy wants to silence you through fear. Can I get an amen? You know exactly what I'm talking about. Fear. And then it's, the fear is, okay, what would I say? Listen, if you don't know at this point in time in your walk of faith, what would you say? You should probably learn. You, would, you know, How can you share your testimony in 60 seconds? I would encourage you to write that out. So go, you know what? In 60 seconds, how? I had some, some stuff that was shipment that I had to have dropped off uh, last week and I had, to, had to pay to have the tailgate drop it down. It was kind of heavy. And the guy came through in a trucker and I asked where he's from. He's, he's from the region, and, but he, they pick up stuff all across the state. And, um, and uh, I just, just chatted with him. I only had a few minutes and he brought it and brought it all up there. It was nice to him. He was talking about how some people are mean to him. And I'm like, oh, that's not good. And, and then he goes, so what do you do? <laughs> I said, I'm a minister, but I'm a Christian first. He goes, oh, well, I'm a Lutheran. I said, hey. And I just began. I, I knew I had 30 seconds. He was tearing, he was tearing the receipt, handing it to me, get in the truck, and getting out of there. So you know the first thing I said to him, I said, the most important thing, and I said his name, is you need a right relationship with Christ, that God has given you the power to choose. You can receive Jesus in your life. You need Christ in your life. He's gone. Did he get saved at that moment? No, I didn't pray with him. But I'm telling you, the word of God does not return void. The word of God, when he's driving that truck, he's thinking, what? born again, what? But saved, what? My life, what? How many with me say amen? amen. <clears throat> so we're all called to be a witness. That means you. I mean, be mean, be life-giving, because people have had some really rough stuff from denominational churches and religious people, and you know what I'm saying? And you hear their story, and it's painful, it's sad. And God forbid, through all the years, 20 years of me being a pastor, I've offended some people. I didn't mean to. But you know, the part of the calling is offensive. I mean, you gotta tell the truth, and people don't like the truth. Listen, I don't like the truth at times. When my wife tells me the truth, I don't like that. <laughs> but after I argue, after I say no, it's not, then I come back and go, I'm sorry, honey. <laughs> come on, somebody. Are you with me this morning? I'm almost done. Hallelujah. The just shall live by faith. So is everyone called to talk to others about the gospel? Second uh, Timothy 4, 5. Second Timothy 4, 5. Um, <clears throat> that's not pulling up. But as for you, be clear-headed in every situation. Stay calm and cool and steady. Endure every hardship without flinching. Do the work of an evangelist. So Paul's talking to Timothy. Okay, I get that. But it's in the word of God for us today. What does that mean? Do the work of the evangelist. Fulfill the duties of your ministry. Yes, he's addressing him. He's addressing him to Timothy. But how many know we're all called to be a witness? When the opportunity arises, speak, say something. And sometimes, you know, when it says the opportunity arises, here's how I handle that, just me. And I haven't been always the most obedient to that. So I'm just prefacing that. But when I meet a situation or whatever, like the truck driver or whatever that situation, this is what I say in the moment. And I just, I'm quiet sometimes and I get this impression. I say this, 
Holy Spirit, what does he or she need to hear in this moment? So I may be doing whatever, come on, somebody, in this moment, I'm like, yeah, okay, thank you. What does he or she need to hear in this moment? And, and it isn't like a writing on the wall says, tell them about the pen they stole four years. No, 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 no. It's just a word, okay? It's just something to encourage, to leave them with as a witness, to exalt Christ. And they may be spewing on you about this, whatever. I don't understand about that. I'm sorry about that happened, but what I do know is this, and I just leave them with that. If you start to ask the Lord to do that, even quietly, I can guarantee he's gonna talk to you. The Holy Spirit, I can guarantee he will speak to you and say, tell them about this, or just share this verse. You were reading a little study this morning and something spoke to you and you thought it was no big deal. Amazingly, you meet somebody and they need what you just studied that morning amazingly. Why? Because God cares about people, and God will use you. Think about that. The creator of the universe using you to reach somebody for the kingdom eternally. You say, well, they didn't get saved. I don't hear it. You know what they say? People need 20, 25, sometimes 50 times they need to hear the message. Some of them, it just clicks. But most people, they need to hear it and hear it, and hear it. I don't know this trucker, how far along on his journey was, but you know what? Something got added to his life in that moment. How am I with me? Say amen. So Proverbs 1130. Let's see if I can make this work. Proverbs 1130. Uh, there we go. Oh, and I jumped it too far ahead. Sorry. The fruit of the consistently righteous is a tree of life. I want you to see the part that says consistently righteous. How many know that we are not righteous on our own, but God gives us a righteousness. So you're righteous now, but it says the fruit of the consistently mm, is a tree of life. So how many know we all have bad days? Right? We all have bad days. That's okay. We all have bad days, but we get back up. If we fall, we fall forward. We get back up. Amen? And so, but it's a tree of life. And so if someone can come to you, are you, I guess the question is, is your life exemplifying a tree of life or are you just like a dead branch? Just throwing that out there this morning. <laughs> and he, watch this, he who is wise. How many wants to be known as a wise person? I do. I feel so many times it's like I feel so far behind. It's people that can, you know, speak and preach and are more eloquent than me, and they do. And I'm like, wow, I wish I could preach like him, or, you know, I could say it like that, or whatever. But you know what? It says, he who is wise captures souls. They may not always have the right words or stumble on the words, but they capture souls. What does that mean? For God, he gathers them for eternity. You want to be known as a wise person? He wins souls. So yes, there are some people that have that passion and zeal, and I think there's actually a soul winner's anointing, but I don't believe it's just for a select few. I believe every single one. You say, how do you know? We have taken teams, my wife and I, to the New Orleans Mardi Gras. We go on missions trips. We've got almost all these countries here. We've taken people that have never shared their faith that go down to a place, and they start sharing their faith. And they become soul winners. They pray for people. They lead people to Christ. Or they just minister the love of God. How many with me say amen? All right? So he that captures souls is wise. Stand with me if you would, please. Mark 1.15. I think it's my last verse here. <clears throat> As we talk about conversion and, and repentance, the importance, Mark 1, 15, Jesus said, at the start of his ministry, the appointed period of time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. This is what we mean when we talk about what does it mean to be a Christian, how to be born again, salvation, conversion. 
Repent. How many of had preachers say that language? Repent. I've said it before. Repent. Worship team, you can come forward. But it actually means, if it goes on, change your inner self. How many know we can't do that? We need the power of God. Your old way of thinking. So there's some part of your will that's involved with the conversion experience. Did you get that? It isn't just all God. He is reaching out. You're hearing the word. You're hearing his truth come across. But there's a part of your will being engaged saying, you know what? I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to accept what is being spoken. I'm going to choose to believe, not ignoring, you know, truth, uh, embracing the truth. Regret past sins. How many know that that's okay? Come on. Regretting past sins. I'm talking about for those who don't know Christ. That's important. That is the Spirit of God coming on someone bringing conviction. Sorry. Some people butt up against this thing their whole life about, uh, I hear about God. He wants to save me. and I don't get it. I don't get it. And I don't get it. Have you ever repented and regretted of your sins? I'm a good person. Not that bad. You come to the cross, not standing, but on your knees. It's humility. Someone needs to hear this. And some, some people, they're, that haughtiness, the Bible says, I hate pride, God says. If you look up that word hate in the Hebrew, you know what it means? Hate. But the humility, those the contrition of heart, those that are penitent, those that say, Lord, give me my sin. Forgive me, oh God. He is drawn near to. He's drawn near to. And he's there to wash, to cleanse, put his spirit in your life, to, to renew you, to renew your mind. And then you stumble and fall after you're born again. You know what? There's grace, there's forgiveness, there's cleansing, but you're a child now of God. That's what he's after. Every head bowed here this morning, if you would please. I feel even to those watching online, God is reaching out. See, this verse right here, live your life in a way that proves repentance. Seek God's purpose for your life. It's more than just a profession or reciting some religious prayer. It is a, it is a true conversion. It is a changing of your life. It is a welcoming in the presence of God. And you, I believe, have the authority to do that or not. No decision is a decision. It's a decision. With every head bowed, he said, Pastor Mike, I've never thought about it that way. I've always thought we're just all grafted in. I mean, just he's the big man upstairs, but I don't know. doesn't seem real to me. Maybe for you, the first step is regret past sins, contrition, repentance, changing your inner self, your old way of thinking, your old way of living your life, you on the throne saying, Lord, I want to put you on the throne of my life. I don't understand it all. But God, today I give you my life. I surrender it to you. If that's you, as we conclude, I would like to lead you into prayer. For those of you that are born again and know what I'm talking about, if you would just join with us in unison. For those maybe online or those here today this morning, you've never truly surrendered your life to Christ. You've never really invited him in. I'm not saying you didn't believe in God, but you're, you're not converted. There's, there's nothing in your life that shouts, God. This is a great day for you. If that's you, pray with me. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I repent. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, come into my life. I believe you died on that cross 
from my sin. Jesus, save me. Fill me with your spirit. Transform my mind. Forgive me of my past. In Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, I just feel the Spirit of God here that it just, it clicked for some people for some reason in this service. It clicked. And you know what? You're going to leave here with an assurance. And Lord, I just even pray your joy and presence right now on the people of God. Uh, understanding, a change happened. Right now, the Spirit of God has gone into your life. And you think, okay, that was powerful. He's, he will never leave you for sin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I want to invite altar workers, if there's some altar workers here, um, to pray over you. If you need additional prayer, maybe hands laid upon you. I know we have the youth fundraiser breakfast immediately after the service. You want to stick around for that. But uh, these are safe people. They're here for you to minister. And maybe you just say, you know what, there's something maybe I don't understand. Or, or you know what, I, I made a commitment to Christ today right away. And and, and at the end and, and, and what's my next step we want to help you as a church with that we want to help you grow in your faith amen amen let me pray and bless you right now Father I thank you for the attentiveness of your people here today Lord I thank you for your presence I felt this morning that that God you just tore down some walls that some things happened in people's hearts and minds that it clicked today I thank you for saving those people I thank you, those even online, Father God. You've touched their life. I bless the people of God as we go forth. And I thank you, Father, that you are a good God and you love us too. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you.